and welcome to Should I Stay or Should I Go? The podcast providing you with expert career insight and advice from senior people in the fields of insurance and risk management to help you make the right career decisions. Hosted by founder and managing partner of Key Strategies LLC, Mike Tenenbaum. Featuring interviews with those at the top of their game, each podcast explores topical issues coupled with specialist guidance on making your next move in the corporate risk management insurance brokerage and the insurance carrier sectors. A seasoned recruiter, Mike Tenenbaum has over 30 years of experience in sourcing top insurance and risk management talent for world-class Fortune 500 companies throughout the US. This experience makes your host the perfect person to kickstart the conversations that will give you the wisdom you need to decide, should I stay or should I go? Okay, so we're here live this afternoon with Lisa Kerr, and Lisa is a VP of Risk Management for Henry Schein, and Henry Schein is a global dental and medical products distributor. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. Hey, it's great to have you here. I, uh, I want to talk a little bit about how you got your start in, in uh, your career. Um, you know, um, you don't necessarily strike me as the prototypical insurance person if there is such a thing. But, you know, I think a lot of people kind of get into this business in weird and different ways. Um, you know, more and more people actually these days are actually majoring in insurance and, and making a, um, a proactive decision that they want to be in the insurance space and the risk management space. But uh, I think you got to it from maybe a little bit of a different path. How did you get into the business? It's very funny you say that I'm not a typical insurance person. I was not a risk management student. I was actually a language major, Italian specifically. And um, I backed that up with a minor in business and liberal arts honors program at Queens College. And the reason I did that was because I wanted to get into international business. I really loved learning languages, having studied Spanish in high school, and um, my parents are from Italy, so I wanted to learn Italian. And I really enjoyed the the language and the, the different cultures around the world. So I wanted to do international business, but I did not know. I had no clue what kind of international business. So I ended up taking an internship that happened to come up through the business program at Alexander and Alexander, an insurance broker. But I was going to the corporate communications department, not the brokerage department. Um, and two years, I worked there part-time while finishing my, my degree. And I basically packed up the brochures in foreign language to send out to all of the Aon offices. And in doing so, and you know, reading the English version of it and the in the Italian version of it, I started asking questions. You know, what what is this industry? What what really is insurance brokerage? And that that was my first entry into um, getting the oh, the first uh, position at Alexander and Alexander. Interesting, interesting. So from the corporate communications department, is that what you said? That's right. Excellent. So you're reading brochures and saying, oh, this looks kind of interesting. These people operate all over the world, and uh, Italy being one part of the world, and you speaking Italian. That's great. That's great. So um, what was your first job like at A&A? I started as a junior global account coordinator, and that meant that I basically was a support broker to the senior brokers who were handling international liability and property programs for Fortune 500 companies. So we're talking large companies. PepsiCo was one of our clients. Um, 
uh, Alpharma Pharmaceuticals, Morgan Stanley Real Estate Fund, um, you know, eventually down the line, companies like Walmart, GE. And I supported the senior broker by coordinating the insurance program renewals with all of the Aon offices around the world. So really, it was that international job I wanted where I needed to send out coverage overviews and uh, premium allocations and assist with claim resolution. Um, basically, it's, it's, it's basically a coordination of the Aon, uh, A&A at the time, Aon Network offices servicing the clients of these U.S. multinational firms. Great. So that probably gave you a really good overview as to what goes on um, in the multinational department and what goes on with these multinational businesses. I'm sure you uh, picked up a bit about you know, what kinds of exposures they have and what kind of coverages they have. Did you, um, did you talk a, uh, a bit, I suppose, with the senior brokers about what they were doing and what they were focused on? And that's how you kind of picked up on it? Absolutely. There was a lot of training and learning on the job. I mean, from day one, you know, they had to sit down and say to me, this is what an insurance policy looks like. This is what an insurance binder looks like. Um, and it was, f- it was funny because I remember the first time my, my boss said, we're going to set up the binder now for the renewal. I literally went and got a hard copy binder. I didn't know what an insurance binder was, you know, confirming coverage for a client. So I really learned everything on the job. I mean, I was fortunate that um, when I first joined ANA, they they had a training program in place and it was supposed to be a rotational uh, that led into a rotational um, job experience. So you do this training. Um, they sent us off to an institute, to a hotel. I think it was like a, a chub training where they allowed brokers to come. And uh, from there, they were supposed to send me on this uh, rotation around around ANA, where I'd spend time in claims and the DNO side, and then ultimately end up a multinational. And uh, I accepted the position, but I really just couldn't wait to get to the multinational side of the job. And then the rotation ended, and they said, you know, of everyone you interviewed with, they, they really liked you in a multinational, and they want to take you on. So from there, I just really had to learn the job working with the brokers. That's great. So, you know, um, back then, it was very common for companies like ANA and and others to have a training program and to have a rotational program. And um, I actually did a lot of recruiting from people who had gone through that program. But um, it was known to be, you know, a great breeding ground. And I think part of the reason that maybe they did away with it um, at some point, you know, a number of the brokers had these programs that they did away with was because, you know, they felt like they were training their people for other companies. And I mean, while there was a certain amount of truth to that, it was also a great way to train your people and and develop them um, for other opportunities within the company. So not everybody, I couldn't recruit everyone out, but I did recruit a few, I have to say. So sorry about that. (laughs) I I wouldn't say that I'm single-handedly the reason, but uh, I suppose I did contribute. So I apologize for that, but it was just my job. So, um, so now you, um, so you got yourself into the multinational department and, um, and you were working with these multinational companies and servicing their business. And, um, some of the things, um, uh, I guess for the benefit of people who are coming into the field, who are a little bit newer, um, they're thinking about what kind of skills they can develop in the insurance business. Um, what are some of the things that you picked up along the way that helped you uh, develop your overall uh, client service capabilities? Well, I would say, I mean, servicing a client really is is about trying to solve their problems. So I think one thing I learned is to ask a lot of questions and to really 
really understand what the client needs when they ask for, for, for something. I mean, the client can come to you and say, oh, do we have coverage for whatever it might be in whatever country um, for, the, for the local business? So you can go find out exactly if the policy has coverage for this. But unless you understand the context as to why they're asking, I mean, maybe the client is looking to expand to get into a new, a new uh, product they're going to deliver or a new service. And yes, there might be coverage, but it has to be enhanced if they're going to be expanding business in a new area. And if you don't ask the question as to why or just ask some background questions to understand the context, you may, you may give the wrong information or it may not be complete. So um, I think that that was very helpful, just learning how to uh, ask the right questions to get the full picture and, uh, and answer questions and concerns a client has in a more holistic way. Yeah, that's great. So, um, you know, as I've talked to a lot of people about these similar kinds of issues, you know, it, it comes up often that um, they need people to be successful in a job at any level, really. Um, you need to be thinking broader than um, just what are you working on right here and now. Like, you know, there may be a task that you're working on, but to, to understand where this task came from and to understand what's driving the need um, really helps you do a more complete job. You know, um, uh, it's one thing, you know, if your task is just, you know, basically to set up a spreadsheet or do an analysis on something. But even doing an analysis on a spreadsheet is, you know, helped quite a bit, I think, if you understand what your goal is with this analysis. Have you done a, a bit of analysis in your day? Mm-hmm. Yes, you can say that again. <laughs> I remember those uh, 10,000 row uh, spreadsheets of property values. But uh, data analysis, I mean, that's that's needed uh in so many in so many ways, um, and you know, not only as a as a broker, where I was really um, gathering information and and putting it into the right bucket and categorizing, you know, w- what the insurable values are. You know, now as now as a risk manager, the data analysis I find is even more important because trying to understand which locations are having claims, uh, wh- why are we seeing a repeat of the types of claims that are happening? You know, is there any 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 trend that we need to identify so that we can go back into the root cause of that trend and, and prevent claims um, with put measures in place to prevent these same types types of claims in the future. So um, yeah, data analysis is critical, I think, in all fronts, whether you're a broker or a client. So you sound like somebody who has learned about the virtues of a risk management information system. Yes, we have one. What was I? We put that. I put that in place at my team. Uh, I joined Henry Shine thirteen years ago, and at that time, everything was done. I mean, not even spreadsheets. There were a lot of uh, papers around the old-fashioned way. So over time, we've uh, moved from you know to spreadsheets, and then now we have uh, Origami, is the system that we use, and it's it's changed the way we operate already. And there's so much more we want to be able to do with it. So, for example. Um, in collecting property insurable values from around the world, we used to do this via spreadsheet. We used to have to have our broker collect and, and consolidate, um, and that causes it's, it's a lot of time. Um, and also, there's room for error when you're when you're moving data onto a master spreadsheet, right? So now we collect it all through Origami. Our broker isn't involved; they're there more to assist the client in figuring out how to value 
their their property and their business interruption loss rather than just moving numbers on from one spreadsheet to another so there's more added value from the broker in their role and the local finance person simply logs into the system completes the values they have their expiring values next to right now right right in the same sheet so they're not looking for la- what they submitted last year it's all right there for them and everything's consolidated so we can ta- now attach exposures to every location we now have claims in the system that we attach to each location and we continue to expand um, the system we look forward to having a, a total cost of risk view um, all in our, our in our system and it's going to take a few years but it's so valuable that's awesome so you know I do remember having conversations with you about what a nightmare process that was just managing all those insurable values from all over the world and having you know a massive spreadsheet and what it took to maintain that spreadsheet so uh, it sounds like it's probably changed your life and the life of anyone that was working on that absolutely so that's great so um, so obviously we talked about data analytics skills as being a, a really important one and we touched on communication skills and um, uh, and how valuable it is to be able to communicate with people all over the world when you were the global company. Um, what are some of the other things that you maybe have picked up on along the way about you know what it's like to be a risk manager you know in a major corporation? If you're advising someone who's aspiring one day to be a risk manager of a major corporation like Henry Schein. So the one thing I learned, and I, and I learned it pretty quickly starting uh, in my first few weeks as a risk manager at Henry Schein, is um, the need to be able to communicate clearly, um, succinctly, and in the language of the, your audience. The, one of the first meetings I was asked to go to was uh, we went to the management meeting and we, they, asked, they invited me to come to the meeting of the DC managers to talk about safety. Now, I, I didn't know anything really about safety, right? I mean, I came from the insurance uh, brokerage international arena, so I could talk to you a lot about property casualty and insurance in different countries. But when it came to safety, I knew this was going to be an area I was going to have to rely heavily on my broker. So here we are in this meeting, they're introducing me, and uh, I start getting questions about you know whether employees, whether it's safer for employees to wear back belts because of all the controversy around how they can hurt themselves with back belts if they're lifting heavy materials. Maybe it's better not to have it. What do I think? So right then and there, I realized a couple of things. I'm not going to have the answer all the time. I'm going to have to go, I have to rely on resources. So even though I may not be an expert in all areas, all these people are looking to me now as the expert. So I need to be able to communicate, finding the right the right resources externally, maybe it's external, maybe I have to go back to the brokers, you know, maybe I have to back, rely back on the broker loss control team to find out answers. Um, to, to the different types of questions I'll be getting, and then also communicating back to those who asked. I mean, I, I could have made something up or said, I'll get back to you and never get back to them, but I, I learned a few things. I learned the importance of building credibility, that even if you don't have the answer, it doesn't mean you can't get the answer, right? So navigating through your network of contacts to find the information, and then making sure that you go back and... Uh, and, and get that information back to the party that asked, because that really is important for, for building networks within the company. You know, um, by gathering the information I needed and then getting back to the DC managers, you know, I did a comprehensive response on the question back, I really did started to build credibility. Meanwhile, 
I didn't even really know anything about safety. You know, I had to go find out. So you really know, you need to know how to navigate. You need to know how to communicate as well. And it sounds like you need to be able to think on your feet also, because, you know, uh, if you're going to get thrown, what would be, it probably felt like a curveball. You have to know how to handle that. So, uh, so that's, that's great advice. You know, um, the other thing I was thinking about is your role from 13 years ago is probably, you know, 30% of what it is now, I would bet. I don't know if I'm right about that, but I think your role has probably changed quite a bit. Can you talk a little bit about how your role has changed from when you started to what it looks like now? Yes, I can do that. Um, when I first started at Henry Schein, they were placing the first ever director of risk management. There was nobody before in that role. And insurance was handled by uh, a part-time consultant who uh, was there for about 13 years and um, one senior analyst who was full-time and a brand new college hire who was a junior analyst. And so with such a small team and even part-time leadership, they really could just keep up with insurance procurement and claims handling. That was really the extent of the function. So when I came on board, I was told, you can, we need to build a risk management team. Um, and that's what attracted me to the role, actually, the idea that I could come in and really make a difference for this company, that I could build a risk management function. Um, but of course, the the first few years, my job was all about the insurance. I had to renew the programs and, and, and change the, the coverage and the structure to really fit a large company because Henry Schein has grown very quickly. And the insurance programs that were in place, I found them to be adequate, but not at all the right structure for a growing company or a company of that size. And at that point, we were $4 billion in sales. Um, and now, 13 years later, we're almost $12 billion in sales. We used to be in about 13 countries. Now we're in 35 countries. So first, I had to get them onto like a Fortune 500 insurance structure that I knew could grow um, with the company. So the very first responsibility I had was, was perfectly fitting my experience. They didn't have any international programs. So I had to take what was just a domestic property program and go meet with the property carrier and, ex and explain to them how um, we needed that to be a global property program with local policies. So that's what, that was the best way to enter the job because that's what I did every day. And that was my, that was where my skill set was. So yeah, so you brought them into, let's say, you know, um, modern day times with their exactly. with their with their policies and as you pointed out you know it was what a four billion dollar company at the time and now it's almost 12 billion so you know um that's growing by threefold so that, that's quite a lot of growth so what does your department look like now today we have uh i've built a department of five total full-time employees and we also have an insurance administrator who is shared with treasury so um we have a full team and Everyone is involved in everything, and we have clear backups for the different roles. And now, rather, and, and that, the reason why we have so many people is because now it's not just about insurance procurement anymore, right? Once we got the insurance program um, scaled for the right size for the company, then we started getting more involved in risk management, risk assessment. So, for example, 
our team is responsible for setting up new suppliers who want to sell us product. So I, I've had to build over time a whole diligence program around what we need from a supplier to meet our requirements in order for us to sell their products so that we're protected. Um, we also get involved in acquisition due diligence. You know, we have so the way it works in the team we've assigned is that one person is responsible for um, an M and A process, but everyone does um, M and A uh, acquisition due diligence work. And she's like the go-to person for the team. So we've kind of, you know, slowly over time, specialists have evolved in the team. Um, one of our newest hires is our origami guy. You know, he knows how to do anything in origami, pull reports, you know, uh, you know, expand the modules, upload data. So he's the go-to person for the team for anything that we need to do there. But basically, we have so many responsibilities now that we have a full team of five. And we partner with various functions in corporate to help assess risk of new ventures in terms of products, in terms of new suppliers we want to partner with, in terms of new companies we want to buy. So it's really expanded. So along with that expansion, so obviously you have a, you know, a larger department, you have some people that are starting to specialize in different aspects of the program and, and the department. And I was also thinking about the way your conversations must be changing as well over time. Because you know, when, you, when you first came in, there was very little in place. So as you pointed out, you know, the first thing you did was you know, create a global program. Um, over time, uh, I would imagine that the kinds of conversations and who you're having them with has probably evolved as well, if you know what I mean. So, you know, you're not just maybe talking about only insurance. You know, maybe you're talking about, as you pointed out, if you're talking about due diligence. So you're, you're looking at, you know, trying to be more proactive about what are the exposures that you're taking on. You know, are there other um, ways that you've become, let's say, more strategic in the kinds of uh, conversations that you're having with people? Yes, definitely. Um, we used to always get the calls, you know, is this covered or can we do this? We're just about to sign an agreement. Can, can we do this? <laughs> so we were checks and balance, but now we've become very in, ingrained in the, um, the decision-making process. So... One new role I, I took on a couple of years ago is that of contract gatekeeper. So since we're signing more and more, we're trying to expand our technology division. So although we sell products to um, dentists and physicians, we have a separate division called technology and value-added services. And they actually sell the software that the practitioners need to run their business. And we're looking to expand that. There's a big focus on um, increasing um, the technology division and, and helping our customers really automate their office and their practice. So with that, we're signing more and more customer contracts. We're signing more IT vendors. It used to be we're signing up, you know, device manufacturers. Now we're signing up, you know, software developers. It's a whole different requirement for diligence. And also the contracts are getting more and more difficult in terms of negotiating what kind of protection we can get from these suppliers or how much the customers want from us because data breach is such a hot topic and we're handling customer data just like our vendors are going to be handling uh, data that we're holding of our customers. So PHI is um, being handled as a big data, data breach risk. So as contract gatekeeper, I need to keep an open line of communication and work closely with legal negotiating the contracts and with the, um, the CISO of the company to understand what the security risk is on the whatever product, whatever software we're buying or platform we're looking to buy or however we're servicing a customer. So that, so that then I need to put together, if we're not getting 
full protection, um, a, a risk reward assessment, a memo that goes to the CFO outlining what the security risks are from the CISO. So I have to get them to tell me and approve the, their section of the memo what the contractually, what protections we have and what might be missing from legal. And then I wrap that all up together to look at what the revenue is on the contract. So what's the reward of signing this contract versus the risk of the data breach potential cost if something were to happen, the risk uh, of doing this project. So now I'm, I have to talk, you know, many languages talking with legal and with IT people. And then the business team, they just want to sign. You want to sign, you want to sign. So we talk Talk to me about the revenue. Talk to me about how it's going to change our market share. So now I'm having much, you know, broader conversations than just, you know, hey, do we have cyber insurance because we're signing up this technology vendor? It's much more dynamic than that question. So that's that's really interesting. So that makes your day, you know, a lot more challenging in different ways now. And I think it probably makes it more interesting just, you know, to be interacting in the business and not just in the insurance market. So, um, you know, would you say, um, you know, years ago, people used to say, oh, you know, here's the insurance person, uh, here comes the person who's going to tell me no. And, you know, they would run the other way because they don't want to be told no. No one likes that. But um, would you say you're now more of uh, a no person or an enabler? How would you describe it? So I have purposefully tried to change that impression of risk management. You know, um, I think risk management and regulatory and legal all get lumped together as the no people. That's what I found over in the first few years I was at the company. And I wanted to change that impression. So I basically decided I'm going to go on a whole marketing campaign and put together a logo to represent risk management. And it says, navigate risk enables success. So we are enablers uh, through our logo, and that's the that's what I'm trying to really get across to people. So it's something that we use on all of our presentation materials, all of our stationery, our memos. It's even in our in our email signature. But on top of that, um, when whenever we have to do these risk reward assessments, or they have to get past, you know, there was the business thinks of it as we have to get past risk management, you know, to to get approval to sign this. I always try and say, I I want to try and help you get this done in the best way as quickly as possible while also protecting the company. So I'm always trying to remind them, I'm not here to say no. I'm here to try and help you out. Awesome, awesome. So taking a marketing approach and a branding approach to how you manage risk and how you talk about risk. So that's a really, really uh, key point that you made. I think of, of everything that we talked about, that's probably the one that has the biggest impact because you're right. I mean, uh, insurance and risk, uh, I think they get a bad rap for, you know, being the people that stand in the way of progress. And, uh, and that's certainly, if that's, your, if that's the impression that somebody has of you, then your career is doomed. Because, you know, these days it's all about progress and how can we capitalize on technology and, and market conditions and all of that. So, you know, the fact that you've shifted it, shifted the messaging to uh, a marketing enabling, how can we help you be more successful, essentially, um, messaging, uh, I think that um, makes a huge, huge impact um, probably on the branding and the perception of risk in your company and, uh, and in anyone that you deal with because you, you know, you're instilling that in the people in your department also. So you know, it changes their tune and gets them 
you know, completely focused on the right things. So that's great. So Lisa, you know, I know we could go on and on and on about, you know, all the different things that, uh, that go on at Henry Schein and, and risk management and in general, but you know, uh, we all have other things to do. So I won't take more of your time. I just want to say thank you very much for your time. It's been great talking with you about this. Thanks a lot, Mike. I enjoy doing this. Great. For listening to Should I Stay or Should I Go, brought to you by Key Strategies LLC, the US insurance and risk management recruitment specialists. If you like the show, please be sure to subscribe, like, and leave reviews. Every time you do, it helps others find the show. And if you have any specific career related questions, please post them or send an email directly to Mike at mtenenbaum at keystrategies.com. He may even answer your question on the show. When you subscribe, you'll also get notifications of when the next episode is available. Hope you join us next time.